Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. So you know what I do every uh, every morning. I do this. I join you uh, here for conversations about not only the headline news, but sort of the cultural trends. And we talk about how we as Christians can engage the conversations of the day in ways that honor Jesus. Um, so today on this March for Life Day, um, we've been talking a lot about the sanctity of life. It's also Friday, so people are thinking about what they're going to be doing over the weekend, maybe what they're going to be watching. And so we're going to have a conversation up next with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. We talk about cultural trends, and so we've had Chris Martin on. Later in the program today, we're going to talk with Dan DeWitt about his weekend Worldview Reader. Uh, maybe you need to catch on uh, catch up on some Worldview reading this weekend. We've got some ideas for you related to that. Um, but you may wonder, well, what does she do the rest of the day? Like, right? I mean, well, I do read the books that we then have the authors on to talk about. Um, but yesterday, I attended a really interesting um, meeting in my community seeking to begin a conversation about how um, we might work collaboratively across all kinds of organizations, institutions, and just churches and uh, regular people like me, how we might work collaboratively um, to address the needs of vulnerable children in our local community. And so we talked about what it means to be vulnerable and what uh, and how we would go about identifying a vulnerable child um, that we might intersect with in a public place or in a setting um, it would just anywhere in the world. And so let me just pose that question to you. Like when you see a child who you recognize is in need, but you're in a public setting and you don't know the adults involved, like I, I, that is a moment of deep angst. And we talked about that yesterday in this meeting. Like it's one thing to be in an organization that's providing resources and desires to extend those resources to more and more people and to, you know, sort of get the word out that the resources are available. But when you're talking about a a vulnerable child who's in a situation where the adults involved are not interested in that child having the kind of help that might be um, available, that is a, that's just a huge, I don't know about you, but that is a heartbreaking moment and a heartbreaking reality. Um, And so if you have thoughts and ideas on that and you would be willing to share those with me, could you email me? Carmen at MyFaithRadio.com. I'm really looking for ways in which Christians actually intervene in their local communities on behalf of vulnerable children. And so if you've got a story to tell, if you've got an idea, I would love to hear it. Again, my email address is Carmen at MyFaithRadio.com. We're going to be certainly not only praying for the next generation, but, you know, as, as Christian adults, we have to be figuring out Um, better answers to the question of how the next generation is going to flourish in our own local communities. Um, And we have to be on the forefront of that conversation as Christians. So that's, you know, for me, that's sort of the next edge of the pro-life conversation. Um, So if you've got ideas on that, please let me know. Again, my email address, Carmen at MyFaithRadio.com. Next up, Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. He and I are 
going to talk about a range of topics, as we always do, uh, talking about what people are going to be watching over the weekend and whether or not you ought to be doing that as well. And then we're going to be talking about um, something that's going to be streaming. And then I have this story post, I have this story that I'm pitching to Adam for a conversation. Um, there's an actor in, in Hollywood whose name is Neil McDonough. Now, I have to admit to you, I had to, like, look him up, right? But he has explained um, very publicly why he will not do sex scenes and why he will not use the Lord's name in vain. And I just think you're going to be encouraged to, uh, to hear about that. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. from PluggedIn.com is joining me now. Welcome back, sir. Good morning, Carmen. Good to be back. Good morning. It's great to have you. Okay, so we want to definitely highlight today the Plugged In Movie Awards nominations. So let's just start there. We may return to this um, later in our conversation, but let's start with the Plugged In Movie Awards nominations. What is it and how do I participate? Well, every year we nominate what we think are some of the best films in four different categories. And so those categories are movies for kids, teens, adults, and Christian movies. And we highlight five movies in each category on our blog. And to get to our blog, um, the easiest way is just to go to PluggedIn.com and then click on the blog tab up in the upper right-hand corner on the main nav. It's actually... It's a separate URL. It's a very long story why that is the case. Uh, and you'll see all four of them up there. Actually, the fourth one will publish a little bit later this morning, but the first three are there. And then if you open up each individual blog entry, you'll find comments at the bottom, and you can vote on uh, the five that we have nominated or you know, take the opportunity to say, man, you guys totally missed the boat. What about this movie, which people love doing, and we would love to have that on there too. Okay, so can you tell us what the four are in, let's say, Plugged In Movie Awards 2020 Best Movies for Kids? Can you tell us who the nominees are? I can. I will tell you the nominees. We need, like, some sort of drum roll fill here, Paul. (laughs) You didn't tell me ahead of time. Come on. I know. know. Oh, your drum rolls are way better. That's sort of uh, (laughs) if Chewbacca were doing. Nice. Okay, the first one is Abominable. Abominable. And Aladdin, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. <gasps> I'm going to vote for that. Uh, three, I think. I mean, that's the third one. Claws, which was a Netflix movie about Santa Claus, and Toy Story 4. So those oh. are our kids' entries. I, I might be tempted to vote for that one. Okay. Yeah. All right. And um, then what are our, and then do we have like another set of entries? Yeah, we do for teens. And the drum teen roll, drum roll. Entry. <laughs> drum roll. The nominees uh, for Plugged nominees In Movie Awards are, 2020 Best Movies for Teens are Avengers Endgame, mm. Blinded by the Light, Harriet, Little Women, and Togo, which you probably didn't even <gasps> hear about. Or maybe you did. Do you know about that one? I don't, but I definitely seeing the picture, I want to see it. No, there's a dog and there's a dude and there's it's snowing. There's a dog and there's snow. <laughs> uh, it's about the Iditarod. Um, it's actually weird. It's the second movie about the the race to save the folks in Nome, Alaska. 
that we've mm. had in the last six months. So Nome, Alaska is having a moment. Let's just put it that way. Um, and let me say here, too, we try to do um, a little bit of a service to folks, too. I mean, we'll, we'll pick things like Avengers Endgame, but we also want to point people towards movies that they may not have seen or be even be aware of, like Togo. So we definitely want to use this as an opportunity to highlight stuff that is a little bit more under the radar. So it's not just going to be all of the the big flashy stuff that has made a zillion dollars this year. Okay, so that's really fun. All right, is there anything coming out this weekend on the big screen that we need to know about? Yeah, there is. Um, And this one kind of snuck up on us. I saw a movie last night called The Last Full Measure. It didn't screen for critics, so I bought a ticket and went just like you normally would. (coughs) Excuse me. And um, this is an R-rated war movie. Uh, It's about a terrible day, April 11th, 1966, in the Vietnam War. And there is a there's a battle in which this group of soldiers basically finds themselves hemmed in from all sides. And in the middle of that, their medic gets killed. So not only are they, you know, are they being killed and the battle's going horribly, they don't even have anyone who can help them. And so the Air Force shows up um, with a, a helicopter to drop uh, a medical guy in, um, a medic. Couldn't think of the word there. And his name uh, is William Pitsenbarger. And he comes down on the rope and he starts patching people up and he starts encouraging people and he starts getting guys to the helicopter to get saved and he starts taking guys out. It's almost like the guys in the movie compare him to an angel and at times he almost feels like a superhero because everybody is completely uh, just discombobulated with the massacre that's happening and he's calm and he's cool and he's collected and he saves many, many lives uh, and then he loses his life in the end. It's not mm-hmm. a spoiler. And so the movie is about the legal battle uh, to get him posthumously awarded the Medal of Honor. And this is it's based on a true story. And most of the movie is set in 1999. Uh, and a young man um, from the, the Air Force, from one of the Air Force departments, is tasked with trying to push this through. And so he goes back and interviews all of the guys who were there, uh, who at this time are 30 years older, and they're played by a who's who of Hollywood. I mean, Samuel Jackson, Christopher Plummer, Ed Harris. Uh, It was one of Peter Fonda's last movies, William Hurt. And I think what was remarkable about this movie is you see the, the scars and the baggage and the horror of war from the perspective of men 30 years later who are still trying to sort through what happened to them there and why it's important that this one man's sacrifice is recognized. Carmen, I don't know the last time I cried so much in a movie, honestly. Mm. The credits rolled and the tears just rolled down my cheeks. I couldn't stop crying. I texted my wife and said, I'll be home as soon as I can get done weeping. Mm. Uh, it, it really impacted me. So uh, in terms of content, it's R-rated for – a fair number of F words and and some wartime violence. I didn't feel like it was over the top. It's not, you know, every other word didn't feel like it was an assault. So as R rated war movies go, this one probably was less problematic even than something like 1917 or saving private Ryan. Um, But for those who really want to think about the sacrifice that's been made, man, I almost can't recommend this highly enough to adults and older teens who are prepared to deal with that content. 
Okay, I'm talking with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. You can um, you can check out what they are doing at PluggedIn.com. When we come back, Adam and I are going to pivot. We're going to talk about something that is streaming, and then we're going to talk about a good news. I'm going to call it a good news story out of Hollywood. It's kind of a testimony, and it's about an actor whose name is Neil McDonough. Um, this is a little pro-family, wonderful, um, wonderful testimony. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. He's making time. I'm talking with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. You can check out what they're doing at PluggedIn.com. Um, let's talk about streaming. Um, I don't know what Troop Zero is, so I'm just going to let you tell us. It was in part our attempt to have anything positive to talk about this weekend. Before I saw Last Full Measure, there was not <laughs> much. Uh, we don't have much to say about some of the rest of the stuff that's out. This is a movie that's streaming on Amazon Prime, and it's a movie that's equal parts cute and problematic about uh, a young girl in 1977 in rural Georgia. Her name is Christmas, and Christmas is in love with outer space. And she finds out NASA is coming to her town and that the Girl Scouts there will have an opportunity to do a recording that will go on the golden record that's going to go on the Voyager spacecraft and go into space. Well, Christmas is not a prototypical Girl Scouts. Actually, they're called Birdie Scouts here. They're not actually called Girl Scouts. Um and so she puts together a troop of other misfits like herself to uh, try to get in a position where she could potentially be the voice on that record. On one hand, this is a really sweet story about empowerment, uh, about being yourself, you know, those kinds of messages. On the other hand, there's enough profanity here uh, and, and some other content that I'm like, man, who were they thinking was going to watch this movie? Because I'm not going to let my nine-year-old daughter watch this movie, even though that's about the age of the girls who are involved here. Uh, so it felt like a miss. It felt like somebody doesn't know who their target audience is uh, because this is a movie. It felt a little bit like Little Miss Sunshine without quite as much content as that R-rated movie from a few years ago. Uh, but that was definitely the movie it reminded me of, and, and it felt like a missed opportunity, Carmen. Okay, so I sent you the link to an article um, about uh... – a Hollywood talent whose name is Neil yes. McDonough. He happens Neil to be in his McDonough. He happens to be in his early fifties. He is married to a very beautiful woman. They have five kids, um, and he has now like publicly gone on record as like why he doesn't do sex scenes and why he doesn't say words that you know take the Lord's name in vain. Can you talk about this? Yeah. Yeah, you know, he's just saying, this is not what I want to be doing. He said, quote, I won't mention the Lord's name in vain, and I won't kiss another woman. Sex scenes aren't it in it for me. Uh, and I think there's enough sex scenes out there for me being in my 50s. I'm not sure anybody wants to see that. Um, and so he he says, you know, this is my God-given talent, and he doesn't want to use it in that way. Uh, he talks about how much he loves playing villains. And if you've seen anything from his career, he plays them all the time. And I was looking back at his IMDb and resume. He's really good. Oh, at playing man. The, the guy's, villain. No, yeah. he's really good at playing <laughs> villains. And so, you know, in Hollywood these days, with our cultural climate, it is a big risk for actors to say things like this. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're really going out on a limb because I think uh, it's so easy for them to be pigeonholed and, and potentially blackballed. Uh, for for their convictions. Uh, so kudos to him for connecting the dots between, you know, anybody who's sitting out there thinking, I wonder why he doesn't do scenes like this. Well, 
This is why, because of his faith, um, he wants to be a person of integrity in that, in that, uh, you know, the industry. And I, I'll also just add, there are a lot of people like that. We can think Hollywood is just full of, you know, problems, but there are really faithful people in there. And it's, it's really refreshing to hear their voices like this every now and then. So I appreciate that, you know, he, he has played in, even in series that we would think, um, or we would imagine, or we would even say, oh gosh, that was, yeah, that was just people kissing all the time, like Desperate Housewives. Right. I mean, he played a role in Desperate Housewives and when yeah. they signed him, you know, he told the writers, look, you know, just be, sh- just, you know, you need to know, make sure you know, you know, I don't kiss anybody. And they were like, well, then we have to write better. So right. I, what I, I appreciate is that if you have a conviction and you live by it, the others will actually adapt to your um, your convictional standard if it's one that, you know, you you present in a way that they can respond to positively. So I just think that this public testimony is really positive. Now, I completely agree with that. And it really is an opportunity for these people to be salt and light mm-hmm. and to have an influence, maybe not in a big way. Uh, but I, I remember years ago, I talked to a Christian producer who worked on that 70s show. Uh, and you might think, how could you be a Christian and work on a, a TV show that has as many problems as that one? But one of the interesting points he raised was all of the things that he said no to. No, we're not going to do that. And it raises the question, you know, might God call somebody to make something less bad than it would have been if they weren't already there? Uh, it's an interesting philosophical question. Um, but those people that are in these places like Neil McDonough have an opportunity to exercise their, their influence by, by demonstrating their convictions. Okay. I want, um, we've got like two minutes. I want you to talk about this, um, uh, this link you sent me, which is about Coldplay and their message of hopeful spirituality. Did I send you that? Oh, <laughs> did you not send me that? See, sometimes I, I just make stuff up. Do you like Coldplay? <laughs> well, just as a little shout out. Do you like I Coldplay? I do. Do you feel like they I have do. a hopeful spirituality? You know, I feel like Chris Martin has an upbeat and a positive oh. perspective. So maybe that's maybe that's how this landed here. Because, you know, I just talked to the other Chris Martin from Lifeway Social. Ah. And so maybe this pops on my list because this is another Chris Martin. Maybe the more famous ah. of the two. Probably so. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate Chris Martin is somebody who has a redemptive perspective. He has at times talked about believing and not believing. I have no idea where he's at spiritually, but at the very least, I will say that Coldplay's music is not, it's not nihilistic. It's not hopeless. Mm. You know, there is a a perspective there that seems to be a call to hope. And their last couple albums, while not perfect, um, have had some really nice messages to them. So um, I'm, forgive me for not being in the know on what the specifics were on this okay. one. I think Who this knows? was on the list to talk about a couple of weeks ago and we didn't get to it. So oh, see, I, just there don't, you go. I don't have the link right in front of me. Forgive it's me. okay. No, it's okay. This is actually what like real conversations are like. People bring stuff up. The other person doesn't know anything and we move on. Right. There you go. Okay. Um, hey, Adam, thank you so much. Thank you for uh, just the joy of talking with you. Um, thank you well, for thank the things you. that you're paying attention to. Um, that just help equip us as Christians to know what's happening in the culture and and to give us a sense of what to watch this weekend. So I think if um if we're going to one movie this weekend, it's it's definitely going to be the last full measure. I mean I, I mean yeah. I, that's that's the one I'm going to go see. Okay, hey, and thanks so much, my friend. You bet. We'll talk to you soon. That's Sounds Adam Holtz good. from Focus on the Families Plugged In. You can find him at pluggedin.com. We'll be right back. 
So abortion is, um, this is a topic we actually have to talk about. Um, There are a lot of women, millions of women, who have had abortions. Um, There are women in the church who have had abortions. And so not only is the conversation about future abortions important, the conversation about past abortions is important as well. And um, I have become increasingly aware of ministries and the need for ministries related to post-abortive women and men. And so I want to thank those of you who have reached out to share those resources with me. I asked uh, the other day um, for folks who are familiar with post-abortive ministries or who are post-abortive and would be willing to share their stories. I invited you to contact me with that information, and many of you did. And so let me just issue that invitation again, because um, I think that as we move forward and we talk about redemption and we talk about healing and we talk about um, the, the unmet traumatic needs among us, this is a huge um, area where the church has, it hasn't just, it's not just that the church has turned a blind eye to the reality of abortion in the pews. There is, um, there is the reality that when people come to faith, we don't quite know how to deal with this one issue um, because it's it's so it's it's genuinely so heartbreaking. But it's most heartbreaking to those who have experienced it themselves. It's real trauma, and there is post-traumatic uh, stress related to it, and on and on. So, if you are um, a person who has experienced an abortion and you're looking for a ministry um, to help address those concerns, if you if you reach out, I can put you in contact um, with such a ministry. If you know of such a ministry. You know, the network of relationships is increasingly important. So you can either text me at 877-933-2484, or you can email me. That's probably the more secure and private way. You can email me, Carmen, at MyFaithRadio.com. Up next, Dan DeWitt from Cedarville University. He and I are going to um, talk about a woman who was an abortionist and, and is no longer. And so that conversation up next here on Mornings with Carmen. So what are you doing in the middle of the summer uh, for July 24 and 25? I am going to be at the University of Northwestern in St. Paul, Minnesota for the Northwestern Christian Writers Conference. Would love for you to consider joining me there. Susie Larson will be there as well, as will Karen uh, Kingsbury, uh, Alicia Britt, uh, Chloe uh, Sholey, a number of other authors, um, as well as people in the uh, publishing industry and sector there simply to help you. If you're a published author, you're an amateur author, you want to be an author, you think there's a book in you, um, we just want to come alongside you. We want to hear that story and um, and we want to help connect you with the resources that might bring your ideas and your thoughts and your story uh, into, into printed form. So Consider joining us. Just uh, go online, NorthwesternChristianWritersConference.com. If you register in the month of January, you get a 20% discount. That's NorthwesternChristianWritersConference.com. We'll be right back. This is Max Locato. When Jesus saw the religious hypocrite, he exposed every self-righteous mole and pimple. All their works they do to be seen by men. This is the working definition of hypocrisy, to be seen by men. We must do good works, and some works, such as benevolence or teaching, must be seen in order to have an impact. To do a good thing is a good thing. 
to do a good thing to be seen, however, is a serious offense. Here's why. Hypocrisy turns people away from God. When people enter a church to see God, yet can't see God because of the church, don't think for a second that God does not react. Be especially careful when you're trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. This is Max Locato. Okay, joining me now is Dan DeWitt from Cedarville University. You can um, find his blog at theolatte.com. I encourage you to do so. Dan, welcome back. Thanks, Carmen. Good to be with you. It's great to have you. So you um, do this diligent work every week of producing what we call the Weekend Worldview Reader. Um, and you and I are going to talk about a few things that are on it. If people want to connect with it, they can do so at your at your website, theolatte.com. Um, one of the things in the Weekend Worldview Reader this week is an article um, about a former abortionist. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this is an article um, that is written by Kathy Altman, who um, was an OBGYN. She was a um, she actually not only um, performed abortions, but she had an abortion herself, and she outlines a number of experiences that made her second guess her commitment to abortion um, as a basic human right and began to see it as a violation of basic human right, the right to life. And so she talks about in a pretty dramatic way how her eyes were opened um, to the fact that it was actually killing a child and not just removing some um, a clump of cells or something like that. She has some um, she has some strong language, and I think that's that's sort of helpful because it's a little shocking Talks about having yeah. murdered more people than Ted Bundy in one interview um, that I heard her give. Um, she's really, she's she is really a strong advocate um, on this point. She is, yeah. The article in USA Today begins with that line: "I've killed more people, I've murdered more people than Ted Bundy," and that just grabs immediately grabs your attention and also sees that this is not just an intellectual idea for her. You know, as you mentioned already on the program. This is a very deeply personal topic that we have, of course, biblically informed convictions that you know we hold and are really passionate about. But we have to realize as we talk about this issue that there are going to be people who've either experienced it in, in a number of ways. And so it was a reminder for me that we need to be cautious, even as we stand for biblical truth, to speak the truth in love. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if people... Um... If people want to engage on this topic, Dan, when you talk with students about this topic, I mean, I think that there, you know, there's there's this desire and need to um, speak with strength and conviction, and um, and seek to have you know real change at a um, at a legal level. Um, but there's also this reality of these millions of women who have had abortions in our country. Yeah. And um, and so this need to recognize that forgiveness is possible, forgiveness is available, hope is possible, um, God can redeem even this. Absolutely. And, and that's, again, where it's easy as, you know, as a, a man who can get up and preach against abortion to kind of rile up the amen Charlies in the crowd in a, in a good way, right? You know, people are going to amen and we agree with this. 
But to overlook the fact that there may be a young lady sitting there who's had an abortion or one time when I was preaching a young lady sitting there who didn't have an abortion, but was deeply upset by the men amening, you know, preaching against abortion, the evil of abortion, but the church had never spoken out for caring for single mothers or for adoption or for foster care. And so there's a number of connected issues that if we isolated just to preaching against the evil of abortion, not only are we going to hurt people, but we're also not, it's not the best way to accomplish what we want to accomplish. And that's offering the forgiveness that's found in Christ and also giving a vision for what the church can do in the wake of abortions to offer forgiveness, to point to hope and help single moms and also adopt children who are not aborted. Absolutely. Um, the church really being the family of faith that um, that creates a family around um, a woman who does choose to to bring um, you know to bring that baby into the world. Um, that's just something that we have to do better. That's just that's that's on the on the forefront of this conversation. Um, our listeners will remember a conversation with Abby Johnson uh, would certainly lift her story up. Uh, in addition to the story of Kathy Altman, um, in terms of people who have been actively engaged in the abortion industry who are now on the pro-life side of the conversation. And so those are really strong voices. We need to hear from them and we need to echo them uh, more fu- more fully into the culture. Dan DeWitt and I will return in just a moment. We're going to um, we're going to talk about how Amazon uh, may want to turn your hand into a credit card. This is a this is a conversation about adapting our lives to the technology that's available and where the appropriate limits are for Christians in this conversation. That up, that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, so um, the world's, you know, arguably biggest retailer, <clears throat> which is uh, Amazon. It's also a technology giant. Amazon is working to allow customers to connect their credit card information to their hand. Uh, and so we would describe this as, um, you know, as a biometric uh, identification system, biometric technology, something that would be inserted into your hand. You wouldn't even have to make contact with uh, with the terminal as you leave the store with your items. They would be simply charged to your Visa, your MasterCard, your J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, or Synchrophony financial card. I don't know what that last one is, but anyway, uh, Dan Dewitt, uh, let's just let's jump in here. We've seen this coming, um, but now it has. Uh, it seems to have arrived. Yeah, it's it's certainly here. The question I think Christians always have to ask is, what does it mean? Um, we we've seen enough examples of people who pointed to this is the mark of the beast mm-hmm. um, with other things. Or this is, you know, the fulfillment of revelation in this particular person or this new development. And we've seen those kind of things come and go. So, but the tendency is, and the pitfall will be that we just ignore it or roll our eyes. This is actually, I think, really significant. And the book of Revelation does talk about a government system that would control commerce, so be able to control population um, by whether or not they're loyal to this false system. And this could be the kind of thing that uh, might line up with that. So when we, as a Christian, um, you know, I think that anytime we get into the conversation about the use of technology and the adaptation of my life to technology, frankly, for my own convenience, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. why I'm doing it. I want a wheel on the wheelbarrow because it moves things faster than just dragging the sled. So, yeah. um, I mean, you know, the wheel is technology and we use that. 
Um, this is technology, but I don't think that we as Christians um, are well equipped to talk about uh, sort of if there's a reasonable limit. Um, is there a point in time when I have to say just because it makes my life more convenient, it it it's still not the right thing to do? How do I make sort of the righteous decision related to the use or or adaptation to technology? Yeah, we we have to ask what exactly are the implications of this and beyond the immediate kind of convenience. And so there's a really helpful uh, a couple things. One, the ERLC, the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, um, published a statement about artificial intelligence, which is of course, of course, will be connected to this topic. Um, so I would encourage people to consider reading that. It has a number of thoughtful statements about things Christians should be thinking about. There's also a book by John Lennox um, on artificial intelligence, and he does talk about the book of Revelation, how all of these things could be connected. So again, we don't want to be kind of constantly saying there's, you know, behind every new Amazon press release, there's some chapter and verse in Revelation. But on the other hand, we need to take the Bible seriously, and we need to think about what exactly, what role could artificial intelligence play? Um, for Christians, there's a number of issues related to privacy, related to discrimination. How can these things be used? And we do need to be careful about it and not just automatically be early adopters to every new technological development. Yeah, the privacy concern um, would certainly be be a big one here. Um, yeah. I I mean, you know, we, we have a whole range of topics lately that have emerged related to technology and its use and um, and the window that it provides into our into our lives and whether or not we really want that information, that much information um, out there and widely acceptable or accessible. Okay. So um, I want to, I want to talk about one more um, article that you have in this weekend's worldview reader. And again, you guys can go to theolatte.com and you can get the entire weekend worldview reader um, from Dan DeWitt. Uh, this this article uh, is it starts with a quote. It's like I got kicked out of my family. Churches struggle with mental health in the ranks. Tell us about this. Yeah, so this is the story of a pastor who went to his church, his pastor Herbert. Um, he went to his church and shared with them that he really was feeling burned out, and they sent him on a sabbatical. While he was on sabbatical, he was diagnosed with bipolar 2, which is a form of bipolar that has less severe manic episodes, but he came back on medication and was encouraged to resign. And um, so he stepped down um, and didn't entirely tell the whole story to his church and then really felt like he needed to be more transparent. So this this article tells his story and some other pastors who really have been, in a lot of ways, feel like they've been discriminated against as pastors. They didn't have room to to struggle. And so this is a guy, Brady Herbert, who was leading a booming church in Waco, Texas, um, was a couple, maybe like 200 members when he, um, when he arrived as the pastor, grew to an average of more than 1,200 people um, on a given Sunday. And, um, uh, you know, I think not unlike many pastors, at some point felt like he needed a break. And during, during that break, he sort of recognized that he was in the midst of, uh, you know, of a bit of a mental health breakdown. And so um, it's important for people to get help. It's we recognize it. We talk about it all the time, um, and yet uh, when it happens, when people do go and get the help that they need, the church often does not positively respond. That's right, and we we have seen issues like this as kind of taboo, and so people don't talk about them. Pastors don't talk about them from the pulpit 
for their congregants or for themselves. And so what what has brought this to you know the 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 um, center of the conversation in recent history is of course. Um, well-known pastors who've taken their own lives as a result of their own personal struggles. So, of course, Jared Wilson, the pastor who took his life, who had was so influential and so helpful and was an advocate for mental health, ended up feeling like he was in a place of despair and took his own life. So it's, in a lot of ways, a helpful conversation for Christians to think about, that we, we all can struggle with any number of brokenness. Our theology would lead us to expect that. That's not just true for the person sitting in the pew, but the person standing behind the pulpit as well. So, Dan, when we think about um, engaging with our pastors, um, when we think about encouraging them, let's just give people, I don't know, something, one or two, like, thoughtful things they might do over this weekend to encourage their pastor. I, I would say you're going to have to do something very vocal, <laughs> you know, so if you don't go out of your way to tell them um, that you appreciate them, that you're praying for them, they're just not going to know that. So, of course, be praying for them. But I would say, you know, on this Sunday or if you gather at a Saturday night service or something like that, really go out of your way to let your pastor know something very specific you appreciate, not just good sermon pastor, because most pastors feel like that that's usually like just the thing you feel like you're supposed to say. So say something to him. And then I would say a general principle is assume the best with your pastor. He has to make a lot of hard decisions. They, they realize that they live in a glass house. Everything they do is being evaluated. So assume the best. Um, if they make a difficult decision and they're receiving a lot of criticism, find ways that you could reach out to him and let them know you're there to talk and that you want to be their friend. Okay, and as your um, as your pastor uh, and and his family are thinking about the year ahead, lots of us are spending uh, spending time right now, like planning out our our annual calendar. Um, my guess is your pastor would really appreciate the offer of a week at that vacation home that you own in a really nice place. Um, they don't have access to such things, uh, and so maybe that is something that you could you could do this year. You could offer your pastor and his family, um, you know, a week at the beach, a week in the mountains, a week on the lake. I mean, whatever. Well, they need opportunities to get away. They don't have a lot of financial resources in, that enable them to do that. Um, and so just give that as a gift. And don't let your left hand see what your right hand is doing when you do it. So don't be looking for a tax break there. Just give the gift. Um, your pastor needs some time away, and you are the person in a position to offer them um, space and a place. So there's an idea for you as well. Dan DeWitt um, from Cedarville University, thank you so much. People can find what we've been talking about today and so much more at your blog, theolatte.com. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, Carmen. We'll be right back. Okay, we've talked about a range of topics today. Um, thank you for those of you who have texted in. Um, thank you for those of you who are sharing your ideas and your concerns. Um, I'd love to hear from you. So you can always text me, 877-933-2484. You can also email me, carmen at myfaithradio.com. Um, a number of you have uh, have texted in about the TikTok conversation we had with Chris Martin from Lifeway Social. And I agree with you. It's a mission field. Um, it's also a minefield. And so let's be equipping our kids to enter into those environments um, with discretion. Um, let us let us sit with them sometimes and let us n not allow them to get lost there. I think that's probably my biggest concern. Kids getting lost in these social media environments where they just scroll through videos over and over again. All right. Have a great weekend and God bless.
Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.